Hello and welcome to Dystopian Deep Dives with your host Natalie Vanna. What follows is a conversation about the cult on Sarah Lawrence's campus run by Larry Ray. It features one of my favorite all-time guests, Roberta Glass, of the best true crime report out there. Without further ado, here's the conversation. Thank you for coming. I have one of my favorite guests on, Roberta Glass. She's here to talk about Larry Ray, Sarah Lawrence, and the Ray family. Um, so thank you so much for coming and uh, sharing your time with us, Roberta. Oh, my pleasure. So who is Larry Ray? Well, it's it's hard to know, really. His mm-hmm. background, as I understand it, was in some kind of financial security fraud he got caught up in. He was friends with Bernard Carrick and a host of other high-profile people in the police and law enforcement. His daughter, Talia Ray, was a sophomore at Sarah Lawrence. He had just done a three-year prison stint for a custody dispute. He didn't hand over his children to his ex-wife and did three years, which is quite a severe sentence. So, right, because he uh, sort of brainwashed them into, well, at least Talia, into believing mm-hmm. that the mother was abusing them. So he went, I, I graduated from Sarah Lawrence in the 90s. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he went directly from prison when he got out. <laughs> it reminds me of the Blues Brothers <laughs> opening scene. So he goes directly to the college and moves in with his daughter and starts a cult. How did Sarah Lawrence, a cult leader. I mean, we right. discussed this in your live stream, but like, how did Sarah Lawrence not allow kids to keep cats? Like they would find the cats, round up all the animals that the kids would bring in, but they let a grown man live with these students. And I'm really surprised by the reaction from the people who are attending, who I talked to attending the trial. Mm-hmm. The people who went to Sarah Lawrence like I did, that I've spoken to have the same reaction, which is this is absolutely outrageous. This is a small liberal arts college with, had a very good reputation up up until this point, but always a reputation for being very far politically left. When I was there, I had, my favorite teacher was a a Marxist. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh, labor historian, uh, and they were, you know, an open, open communist uh, te- teaching teaching kids. <laughs> so right. that that give you kind of it. I mean, that's not unusual now in our in our in our universities. So, I think the people that went to the college are really hone in on this fact that this is a very small school. And right. that it's impossible for this guy to move in. He moved into this Slonum Nine, Slonum Woods Nine, which was mm-hmm. it, it's. It looks like a house. It's, it's a house, right? It yes. looks like a condo. Everybody shares the living space and the kitchen space. And the way that you apply for this housing is you, you get a group of your friends together. So Talia got a group of her friends together. And they all fell under Larry Ray's spell, and they got in. He got in, interested in healing them, mm. really. But his interest, in my opinion, and I think it's the right opinion given the evidence that was presented in court, 
which was we saw in court that he, my opinion is that he set out to start a cult. So mm-hmm. he comes out of prison, a convict. And we know his, he ne- desperately needed his daughter's approval. And his daughter has all these friends that she feels needs to be fixed. And they decide to start this project where they will record his great techniques. But what he ended up doing was recording all the evidence being used against him, which is- Oh my goodness. Great. I mean, it's so, it's so Why great are they always so stupid? <laughs> all these guys that like you cover. He yes. didn't want Das to have his name. He said he had nothing to do with it, but then there's recording. Is it like a hubris of like, they think they're so intelligent that they're not yes. somehow, and that they're maybe they really are so ill that they think they are saving people. Do you think? Well, think about it. If Ezra Marcus and, and James, the two New York magazine writers, had they not written this article, mm. Would this cult still be going on in maybe a much more pared down way? He had lost his biggest cash cow, Claudia Drury, a former Sarah, uh, Sarah Lawrence student. She graduated and she uh, prostituted for Mm -hmm. him for four years. Yeah. What was it? He told her that in a weekend, she should earn how much? And then she did it in like- $50,000. She did not achieve that goal, but she did achieve it in a week. But at the end, she testified at the end of her prostitution, he was telling her that he could no longer accept her money in drips and drabs. And (laughs) and so- I guess he really needed to support his cashmere sweater habit. (laughs) And and (laughs) Ubers, he didn't drive which right. is so great. Uh, it's such a great, it's such a great, de- you know, there's great details on all of this, but it's so perfect to have this cult leader that doesn't drive. They're taking Ubers to go fetch his money. Limos the until the money another, runs out. Yeah. Put in other accounts. He liked mm-hmm. to feel like a big wig. He liked to, he took his other wife who was Santos Rosarios, who was a Sarah Lawrence student who Larry Ray manipulated into a, a nervous breakdown where he had to leave the mm-hmm. college and never came back. His sister, Felicia, uh, a Ivy League educated doctor with this other Sarah Lawrence student is Isabella Pollock, who is going to trial in July. So I right. don't know. Are we way too far ahead of everybody? Does everybody know? I, what, I mean, it's okay. So the way he worked was he would say, <laughs> say, he would say, Natalie, you scratch my pans. Natalie, mm-hmm. you've wasted my time. You have to make repairs. How do you think you're going to pay me back for all this? Well, I'll make a list. And they all made a list of all the things that they did. But it got darker where he convinced Claudia Drury and Santos Rosario and that they had poisoned him, right. especially Claudia Drury. And he would make these confession tapes where they would say, I'm making this of my own free will. He was very conscious of making it look like these people were all giving confessions of their own free will. The only problem with these confession tapes is you have these people who look incredibly exhausted. They look like hostage films. Right, yes, because they essentially were. 
Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So if you've ever seen any of the hostage tapes, that's what these tapes look like. You can see some of them up on Twitter. Uh, Matt Lee, Inner City Press, has put a lot of the evidence that's been shown in trial up on his Twitter. You mm. can see some of these videos, but they all have this empty eyes that I've seen in the Nexium devotees that have come to court to support either Claire Bronfman or Keith Ranieri. It's that empty, empty, empty look. And what's so interesting, both in Nexium and in Larry Ray, is that these cult leaders know who they can suss out who is going to do what, meaning they can they're very observant, these psychopaths, mm. and they seem to know who is capable of what. So he seemed to know that Isabella Pollock was going to be his enforcer and that there is something, there's something really, I think she I was think sexually, yeah, there's yeah. something wrong. She was sexually groomed for sure. I mean, but there might've been something, something, maybe she's a, tra a victim of trauma of some kind. I don't know. There's something but there's, else but when she you're really laughing is like about the, watching yeah. someone being suffocated and you yes. think it's a great day. Yes. There's, there's being a cult member and feeling like you have to laugh along with a group, but when the group is no longer there and it's just Larry Ray and you and Larry Ray are, are celebrating, suffocating Claudia Drury. Mm -hmm. She was the number naked, two. Right. Yeah, the pros the woman who prostituted to the tune of two point five million dollars for Larry Ray, and when she didn't want to prostitute anymore, they didn't feel she was giving enough money, or they were that she was, quote unquote, effing with him. Right. They went to her hotel room, they handcuffed her naked, and suffocated her over and over again. Choked her with a dog leech, hit her, motions like he was gonna, uh. Uh, stab her oh eyes God. out with its scissors and instead cut her hair. And it, this was, she thought she was going to die. He also put her naked, uh, threw cold water on her and put, and turned up the air conditioning. So she was suffocating and then freezing and suffocating. I mean, waterboarding sounds nice after, after, <laughs> after hearing what, what, what she went through. And well, he said he learned these techniques he said he claims maybe he's connected. I think he's a mobster, honestly, from from reading all the stuff mm -hmm. about him and his yeah. connections. I mean, I think he was involved in some sort of organized crime. Um, that's just that's the feeling you get from his dad. Certainly, that was the feeling I got from his dad when what his do you mean? dad came in court. Meaning, his dad to me looks like a low level. Mm. New York, New Jersey mobster. He just has that, he <laughs> that, gives you that scary feeling. I don't know what the look is, but that was the look. <laughs> he has, I, I, a, he has a few in, buttons on buttons, some chest hair popping out. <laughs> There's a gold he's chain. dressed like a schlub, but <laughs> he comes in and you send, you get a little fearful. He, and they also take up a lot of space. They have a lot of presence. They feel mm. they own this earth. This is the, their world we're just living in it and right. my understanding is that poppy greco made an appearance this is the larry ray's father mm. in court yesterday and he got in trouble for not wearing a mask and <laughs> of course does the yeah. defense have a case at all uh they they have a, a a good idea it's a good concept 
I think. I think it's the best defense you could think of. And in some ways it's true. Their defense is that these were all storytellers that were trying to one-up each other with their stories, which may be a little bit true in their dysfunction, and that they all kind of were involved in a mass delusion that they had poisoned Larry Ray and that they were making amends and they were all doing this of their own free will. The problem with that defense is that we have tons and tons of evidence of and testimony of these devotee, former devotees and victims, survivors being afraid of Larry Ray and being threatened physically uh, with financially, violence, yeah. financially. Uh, he also had a ClaudiaDrury.com website, which he constantly modified depending on whether she was pleasing him or not. When he was displeased with her, her it was not only her confession tape that she poisoned Larry Ray, and <clears throat> on the <laughs> on the instructions from Bernard Carrick, it's a real conspiracy story. Right, uh, that, I wanted that, to that, ask that came you out something. Of this. Do you think the conspiracy mindset goes hand in hand with a cult? But basically, that's what I mean. Like, it seems like they're intertwined. The, the conspiracy mindset that Larry Ray would, like, feed these kids, part of that would be, like, information control. Well, you need an us versus them mentality. Mm. So, and you have to feel that you're the good people. So, yes, uh, in Nexium. We had Keith Raniere feeling that he was the most wonderful ethical person in the world and that bad people were trying to bring him down and that he could mm -hmm. control the weather. And <laughs> I think when it's easier to believe in that conspiracy mindset, when you're not fed properly, when you're not sleeping. Oh much. yeah. So your whole worldview is a little skewed already. It's right. already a little mystical, fanciful already just from lack of sleep and yeah larry was always telling them everyone was out to get him and talia would spread the same information to the rest of the group and how would they know and in dan levin's book he's always sort of saying well i, I was basically saying what larry wanted me to say he was like trying to sense what he wanted him to say um and i find dan's perspective kind of interesting because it's almost like Dan is looking at this from the outside in, but he's still in it, uh, or at least that's how his book felt. Um, and yeah, just all these stories that were made up. And so Larry Ray would always accuse Dan of being like, well, Dan doesn't believe who I am, right? Mm -hmm. But look at this picture I have with like Gorbachev, right? Or, uh, mm -hmm. and that doesn't, and, and he met, was it Gorbachev and like Rudy Giuliani are somehow involved with Larry Ray at, at some point? Mm -hmm. Like, that's that's really wild to me. So there's lots of stuff. Well, I mean, there are conspiracy theories, mm -hmm. but there are some incredible things that do happen in reality. Namely, yeah. uh, look at the Epstein-Maxwell story. That's an incredible story. Who would think? And nobody in our elites seem to be shocked by this so there there's no coverage that, really of this but, story is there no and I, I i wonder if some of this i think there's a lot of things going on with cults for one it's taboo mm. to be interested in cults in our society what's wrong with you that you'd be interested in something dark two i think that you would have to think that Sarah Lawrence has a full-time PR person 
Right. <clears throat> so I wanted to also overtime. for sure. And like going really quickly back to Sarah Lawrence, um, I know that Talia had maybe a strange relationship with Marvin Frankel. Yes. Who is that? that? Is, he's a, a psychology teacher that was there when I was there. He's, I would come into his, I would watch the end of his classes because my history class was after his. So often his classes would, so the way Sarah Lawrence class goes is they're done around a round table discussion mm -hmm. and you would do a lot of reading and you would come in and you would be expected to have opinions on the reading. And it was a very good way and you'd have to defend those opinions <laughs> and, mm -hmm. and it's, you learn through discussion. So I would come in at the end of these Marvin Franco classes and they would be having these intense discussions, very um, lively, but, but uh, the, the students loved him, but he did have a reputation for being sexually inappropriate with his students. I don't know if that's true or not. I didn't mm. know anybody who had that kind of relationship with him, but that was the rumor about him mm -hmm. and that he was not quite so liked by the administration because of that and that he was really out, out there and controversial. So he... Yeah, he would ask for my, my memory of him is asking very provocative, maybe borderline inappropriate questions to <laughs> to facilitate discussion in his class. But so it was not hard for me when Marvin Frankel's name came up to 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 learn that Lawrence Ray had had picked Marvin Frankel to be the object of all of Santos Rosario's ah, okay. emails. Right. So, so Talia Ray had, had Marvin Frankel so, as a professor. Santos Rosario, I don't know if he did, but Santos Rosario was dating Talia Ray. He also lived in Slonim 9. Mm -hmm. He was the first witness in this case. His sister Felicia is the Ivy League educated doctor uh, right. who became Larry Ray's wife. So anyway, so we had him write Santos Rosario about these, the idea about all the fantasies he was having to Marvin Frankel about killing Talia, right. raping Talia, hurting other students, hurting his parents and Marvin Frankel. And he would send the emails to Larry Ray and Larry Ray say, well, you didn't include this, write another one. And then you could feel really great about it. He right. always presented these things as if they were the best thing for you to do. Yeah, like you'll get clarity. That's what he said. That's what <laughs> clarity, he You'll feel them. so much better. He had cetera, them all wear neon outfits all the time. Uh, Dan Levin says he looked down at himself at one point, like basically after he finally got housing at Sarah Lawrence because he was living in their Manhattan I believe it was very small. You saw the pictures. Was it quite small? It's hard to tell from the pictures how okay. big it was. Yeah. Um, but very cluttered. Yeah. Well, first it was, uh, I said this in the live stream, but uh, first it was basically boxes of all of their stuff, right? And Larry would be like, this is our, these are our memories of, of me and Talia's, you know, before her evil mother <laughs> happened or whatever. Uh, sent me to prison, right? Um, even though he never told Talia that was the reason, uh, he filled her head with like, it was Bernie Carrick, et cetera, et cetera. Mm -hmm. 
right. a whole conspiracy against him by the United States government or something. Um, <laughs> and then after all these boxes were moved into self-storage, basically it became this never ending project of um, what, what would you say? Remodeling. He mm -hmm. tore down a wall. He, mm -hmm. I guess he had a lock on the refrigerator. Yep. Yeah. And so just to finish the Santos Rosario thing very yeah. quickly, that's how he got kicked out, is that Marvin Franco was getting all these emails from Santos Rosario, mm -hmm. and he alerted the administration that this kid was really sick and inappropriate, obviously, and that's how he got kicked out. And he and this is, he had a great scholarship package, and he never went back. He was too embarrassed oh. to ever go back. That was Do the end of his college career. Thank you. Do you Lawrence think it's Ray. because uh, Larry knew that San I think Santos was really the only one with a history of mental illness. Um, Felicia had one. Oh. Mm. Uh, Claudia Drury had some anxiety, but not, this is a different level. Right. The, the, the level that they hit of being, of, of maybe feeling, uh, the difference between feeling so much pressure in medical school at Columbia University wow. and the difference between and, and taking maybe a two week time out in the psychiatric facility just to uh, get your bearings back and the difference between the kind of chaotic nervous breakdown, I'm gonna kill people, I'm gonna kill, they were getting crazy diagnoses from because Larry Ray insisted on being on the phone Mm -hmm. when they were with their doctors and feeding them what to say. So they were getting, uh, what was it? Psychotic elements of yeah, they conception you. type thing. Yes. Yeah. I mean, they can put you mm -hmm. borderline personality. Claudia Drury got a, a that is terrifying. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, and she did. And just to make clear, she does not have, neither one of them have those, uh, <clears throat> those um, mental problems. That was all Larry Ray. Right. I mean, there's a difference between, you know, being in your 20s, being a kid, going to school, experiencing sort of a slice of life for the first time, being a little confused about your identity, maybe being sad because classes are stressful. And then this. Mm -hmm. um, and it, it puts all of the, you know, the bite model, the behavior control, the information control, the thought control, the emotional control, it's all there. Um, mm -hmm. And it went on for how long? 10 years, a decade? Um, right, almost 2000, right. Uh, 2019. Mm -hmm. is, no, 2019 is when the thing, 2020 is when he got arrested. So yeah. What is he being indicted? What is, what are the charges? What, how many uh, tax evasion, forced labor conspiracy, uh, sex trafficking, sex trafficking conspiracy. I mean, just he, he's if, if he gets convicted, which I believe he will, if there's not some kind of hiccup with some juror, we've lost a bunch of jurors. We're down to, I believe, one extra juror, <laughs> backup juror now. Uh, I think, unless something crazy happens where there's some juror holdout. I believe he will be convicted and I believe he's going to get a crazy sentence. Uh, not much shorter than what Keith Ranieri got, which is 120 years. I would think he would get 40, 60 years at minimum for this. 
Going back to Sarah Lawrence real quick, uh, do you, what do you think is part of the problem at Sarah Lawrence? Is it just because they've become too liberal or is, I mean, I just don't understand how this would take place. Like, do they just not, is there a lax in security? I just keep coming back to this question because I cannot imagine this even happening. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd never had the traditional college experience, but I visited a lot of dorms. Mm -hmm. um, I never really had, I can imagine it maybe happening. I did, there's a place here that has like apartments for students and that, I mean, I guess the Manhattan <coughs> type of thing could have happened there, but still you had to sign into these buildings. There were RAs. Right, they're locked. You have to have a code, you have to have a key. <laughs> uh, uh, there are RAs. When I went to Sarah Lawrence uh, as a freshman, the first thing they had, we have, you have, you have freshman week, and they had a lecture. One of the speakers was Nat Hentoff from the Village Voice, who's no longer with us. But the subject of the speech was free speech versus hate speech. Where do we draw the line? Hmm. So it was a very intense discussion talking about this idea of hate speech. And I think this idea of hate speech is very dangerous. And for Sarah Lawrence to work as a college, you need the exchange of ideas. But a couple years back, uh, a professor, more conservative professor, complained that it was uh, that the, his that students were harassing him. Uh, mm -hmm. He was speaking out against crazy new policies. Like you have a conference paper, which is like our final. So instead of taking an exam, you write these very long papers. So you so in one class you have double the coursework. So you have the coursework that everybody's doing in the class, and then you meet with the teacher every week, every two weeks. I can't remember which now. And you do conference work, which is something related to the classwork, but a little sub little. So for example, in US history, say, I don't know, um, say uh, you would do your paper, say on just someone like, oh God, <laughs> I'm trying to think of a good example. Like um, say if it was women's history, you would do, uh, like I did a, uh, you would do a paper on just say the the radical feminists, or you would do a paper just on one the anarchists, or one element of 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 the history that you were learning. Does that make sense? So then your conference papers are due, and like I like a dissertation a sort of right, right, right yes, right. very. So this is what thirty page papers. How many? Okay. How much did you have to produce that? Because Temple only made us do that at the end. <laughs> it was called twice our a year, every twice semester. A year. Oh my goodness, a thirty page paper. Thirty for each class. For each ah class, no! Right? Oh my goodness, it's a lot of work. That's yeah. a lot of work. That's crazy. Yeah, we only had. It depends <laughs> what you're taking. If you're taking painting, it's not going to be quite the right. course load. But if you're taking stuff like history and and yeah, liberal arts like of that. some kind, liberal right? Arts, you you got a lot of work and a lot of reading, and writing. So, uh, my understanding is that they passed some kind of new rule that they did not want you to use gendered language in your conference papers. Uh, 
And I don't even understand that because this is Sarah Lawrence, the first place with a women's history program. So that seemed crazy. But then this, so this conservative professor was saying that there's no tolerance for any kind of diversity of ideas. And that if you don't have the right opinion, these students can harass you, uh, mark up your door, threaten you, and the administration supports the students instead of supports the faculty member. Hmm. So I have been, and I've been hearing from students that it's been a very out of control campus that has fully embraced this kind of woke, crazy ideology, very, very radical ideology. Right, sex work is, is work, right? Oh, yeah. That kind mm -hmm. of stuff. Right, exactly. Men can be mm -hmm. women, women can be men. Right. Housing, how would you even write a paper if, if you're talking about history at all? How does that, what are you supposed to use? the language of the trans cult, I guess. Like, I don't understand a, how you would And you use... could see, and I could see it in my alumni magazine coming out. They're using they, them and stuff about a, a butch lesbian that I went to college with that, that nobody thought at the time that she might secretly be, be, be non-binary. I mean, the concept of non-binary didn't exist in the early mid nineties. Right. So getting back it's, to it's the... Yeah. yeah, so I connect those two things. I connect this kind of woke ideology mm -hmm. with a total disregard for safety. Mm -hmm. And I can see Sarah Lawrence administration thinking this is a father of our student. He's reconnecting. He's been in prison. Poor him. Oh, no. And we have a paying student. I, I didn't get any kind of sense whether she was on financial aid or not. I wouldn't think. We have a paying student and she's reconnecting with her father who's being given a second chance to me. It's a lot of the ideology in the wrongful conviction movement that this was just a mistake that landed him in prison. That every, meaning everybody is a good person at heart. No. Which is generally well, mostly true. Mostly. Except for these predators. <laughs> except for these predators yes. that are really super and he's dangerous. And a monster. Which they don't acknowledge. Right. Right. Total monster. I can't Total even. Total monster. This is a street thug. The difference between him and Keith Raniere is that Keith Raniere came off as an intellectual. This guy comes off as a street pimp. Yes. Basically, yes. And sexually humiliating these kids and basically forcing Dan to have a threesome with him and um, Isabella. Uh, what was Talia going to Sarah Lawrence for? Do you know? My understanding is that she wanted to become a lawyer and that she was going to go to law school so that she could change our corrupt justice system. Right, because of the corrupt justice system that trapped Larry Ray right. uh, and kept so she would, him from her. She, Innocence Project, here she comes, is what I thought. <laughs> I, I did, it, was, it did not come up in court, but to, the description of why she was becoming a lawyer and and the, her interest in criminal justice reform made me think that she would be a big fan of- And weren't they using some of the money- <laughs> My nemesis. Yeah. <laughs> the wrongful conviction. Exactly. And wasn't, weren't they using some of the money that was collected to like either a democratic- Yes. So Talia Ray worked for a democratic congressional con, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. con uh, would be congressman in North Carolina, and they sent some of Claudia Drury's prostitution money to, to Talia. It would be interesting to find out what that candidate was all about, but I didn't, there's so many facets to this story that I did not have time 
to look into that more. Uh, getting back to Larry and, and his relationship with his daughter, uh, Talia, what did they call each other? Uh, she called him Honey Bear, so she would write or Honey it, Boy, uh, what, right? Yeah. Honey Boy, thank you. Honey you know, Boy. Yeah. Honey Boy. And, and like Honey Girl, right? It was, I right. found that to be very disturbing. It, the whole relationship between Talia and Larry Ray was very disturbing through the whole thing. And the fact that Isabella Pollock looks so much like Talia Ray is also very disturbing to me. Uh, uh, and that Larry Ray moved into to Isabella Pollock's college dorm room and slept there. They all three of them would sleep in the same bed sometimes, Talia, oh, Isabella, yeah, all and Larry. Of them would. Mm -hmm. And Felicia sometimes, but mostly uh, Isabella Pollock was the chosen one. He slept and she got treated like the princess of the cult and mm -hmm. slept in the bed with Larry and everybody else was on a sofa, the floor, whatever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. even, this was even, the even Felicia Rosario, who was called his wife, who really had a relationship with Larry Ray. Uh, and he's and and she didn't the way it was communicated to her that Larry Ray's relationship with Isabella Pollock was totally unsexual and that there was something wrong with her that she would be jealous and that he was just helping her <laughs> a heel and that's why he had to sleep with her she was naive and and kept in the dark about their sexual relationship when so larry ray's had two, two incident he's had three health health crises in court but two times he's had to be taken out of court by ambulance and the second time we were all waiting in front of the court for him to come out in the stretcher because we had been kicked out of court abruptly, not even allowed back to get our coats. So we're waiting outside <laughs> with our phones to take a picture or take a video of what happened. And there was a woman who walked in front of him, walked in front of the doors and was standing in front of the shot and people were telling her to move. I have a video of it. I didn't realize I had it till just recently. And, she, and she's saying, don't you think you should give him privacy? And I just wonder who this woman is. She's purposely trying to interfere with a shot so that Larry Ray can't be photographed, taken out on a stretcher. The irony of that is that Larry Ray probably loved the attention mm -hmm. and loved the paparazzi. <laughs> but she, of course, is thinking that she has to protect her. And I just wonder who that was. That's weird. Mm -hmm. So do you is think... that is that the... a lawyer? Is that a... That I just didn't recognize. Who the heck is that on his team? I, I have no idea. Do you think it's going to be one of those things where he's able to perpetuate the cult from inside his prison cell if he goes to prison? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I think he's dangerous. I, we we just heard about Richard Glossop, who's on uh, death row in Oklahoma, and he just got married. The mainstream press just announced that. They called it his second marriage, which is his fourth marriage, his second in prison. And he's been financially exploiting women on prison and, and threatening them if, they, if he doesn't give them money and fill his commissary and pay for one divorce and pay for this stuff uh, so he can get married again. But the mainstream press is presenting this like, look at this amazing anti-death penalty activist marrying this amazing man. 
who's may who's probably innocent. What do you think? Yeah, we have a free is? our press is so is I mean, thank God for New York magazine, but the way our press is going, we're gonna have a lot more of these narcissistic psychopaths running amok, starting cults, going on and on forever, and it being impossible to stop. Yeah, I mean, should they even be allowed to have, I mean, after all of this manipulation and, and torture of other people, I'd think a solitary for a while. I don't know. Maybe I'm Julius too Jones harsh. sent out $18,000 to his friends and family from prison, making sneaker deals, t-shirt deals. This is a man convicted, uh, his conviction upheld by multiple, multiple appellate courts that he carjacked and killed in front of his children, uh, Paul Howe, uh, in cold blood, rolled over his body as he drove away. I mean, this is a, a killer gang member psychopath, and our media treats him like he's a hero. I what mean, the, the New York Times can't even call uh, a cross-dressing male the right, you know, pronoun but I can't. Remember I mean, they can't thing. even. I mean, we're we are we are living in a big lie. It's pretty crazy. Like if we can't even name these men as men, there's something seriously gone wrong. Very gone wrong, without being afraid. And and they're what they're doing so beautifully is making everybody afraid to speak. I can't say this. I won't have this video up because I'm afraid of getting my channel struck and down and if you're off youtube there really is no good alternative that is of the same uh, that has the same reach unfortunately now this idea that that the free market will work it out and that that competition will somehow um even out these these mega powers like facebook is insane but it won't even because YouTube, it's all been compromised and you're right. Like there's so much censorship on YouTube even. And if you don't, if you don't frame things in the right way and you'll get struck down and taken out and I don't know, it's just, it's just really interesting, you know, the way the press spins things. Um, really quickly, let's talk about Isabella Pollock and the charges that she might be brought up on or is being brought up on in the summer. Is that, is that what's going on with her? My understanding, I haven't even gotten to, the, is, mm -hmm. is it's the same kind of sex trafficking conspiracy uh, charges that Larry Ray faced. I'm not sure if she's facing all of the same in regards to tax evasion and that kind of stuff. I'd have to look at, uh, at the charges. I haven't even gotten that far. I'm just, mm, okay. uh, I'm just in the, but I, I'll, I hopefully in July, I'll, I'll be covering that trial. It's kind of there. like a, the Alex Mack situation with like Keith Ranieri, um, this, this sort of alpha female that like then is A, used as a pawn, but B, not. It's like, it's very strange the whole relationship these women have. What do you think is the appeal? I wanted to ask you that, you know, with these criminals and these cult leaders, what, how do women, I mean, we think maybe something with Isabella is just off. Like, very off, like there's something very Is there a personality, is there a personality type that would fall into this role more easily, do you think? Yeah, someone very narcissistic and someone who has a need for power and control. 
And you can see as a woman, that must feel very good to be, I'm not like one of those other women that's prudish. I'm going to have sex like a man has sex mm-hmm. without attachment. And they were often watching pornography. Yep. I'm going to enjoy porn just like men. And I'm not going to be one of those pain in the butt Boring. women yeah. that, that, shy, that, that doesn't fully embrace my sexuality but really what she's talking about is a sexuality that's defined by pornography totally i mean there's this harrowing scene like i said of this threesome that takes place where i believe dan levin was not really consenting in that situation at all um and it's just this terrifying mixture of like sexual sadism um Mm -hmm financial and emotional blackmail it just really hits all of the hallmarks of a cult that we usually observe are there any well, he, he did yeah. that often with them he he forced them into he he directed them to have sex with each other mm-hmm. and in the state that they're in if we had a better understanding i would say that there could have been a rape charge or some kind of sexual assault charge uh on on in addition it was not needed and i think they didn't charge him with that but once you starve i mean it's i i think it's a complicated thing to try to present to a jury but once you starve somebody threaten them and put them in a state of fear that if you whatever you ask that there's gonna they're gonna you're gonna be retaliated with being starved being forced to sleep outside not being able to use the bathroom we heard that with Felicia Rosario and Dan it's in Dan's book too there's like this scene where he really wants to take a shower but he knows that he can't because Larry's Larry's always in the bathroom by the way he's always in the bathroom on quote-unquote on his laptop quote-unquote doing important intelligence work that's what he told these kids. Right. Like, what, but what, what we didn't finish up with is that they found articles like why people stay and leave in cults, mm-hmm. catathymic uh, states in cult settings. That's not a full title. Uh, I'd have to check my notes for the full title of that. That's fine. Uh, yeah. But more and more articles, tons of articles about mind control and cults and why people stay in cults and how to do it. He knew all the basics of how to do mind control. And uh, I'm sure neuro-linguistic programming, he's probably in on into all of it. And I yeah, think like it, this Keith primary had all those... the sur- surface of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, in, in Nexium, Nancy Salzman was the number two neuro-linguistic programming in the, expert in the world. Ah. And Tony Natale talks about going, in her book, going to, I can't remember what kind of, it was some kind of, was it a council meeting or uh, some kind of low level court thing where she said, Nancy Salzman said to her, watch, look, I'll get all of the people on the council, city council, let's just call it a city council meeting. Sorry, Tony, that I don't remember exactly what it was, (laughs) (laughs) Uh, to raise their hand by just using language. Like, you know, for example, this is a very low level, like um, to, for to get you to raise your hand, uh, I have a feeling uh, my interest in this will will raise, rise, you know, using uh, visual language that paints a picture. Hmm. That's what neuro-linguistic programming is. So she got all of them to raise their hand at the same time, just using language without 
to, to without the direction, raise your hand at the same time, just using visual language. Wow. I feel like language is so powerful and that's why we have this culture and this press and all of this is to subvert like the meaning of language. Um, that's so language interesting. Language is very powerful, very important. Donald Trump's family is very interested in neurolinguistic programming. There have been people, uh, one expert who helps people get out of cults, who's written books, he's an ex-cult member himself, who's been accused of using neurolinguistic programming unethically so mm. and without consent so there's a lot of really interesting issues surrounding neurolinguistic programming and where you can use it and when you can use it and is and if it's ethical or not which I is know. funny ironic yeah. given that that keith ranieri said and and larry ray said too that they were the most, most ethical men in the world <laughs> Yeah, final question, I guess, is how do you think one can protect themselves from this kind of experience to, you know, I'm not sure what else you would call it, but, you know, how can you protect, how can you shield yourself from these people who are so good at manipulation? Are there some things that, that you know that we can do to educate yourself about coercive control, ex educate yourself about psychopaths and narcissists, but I what comes to my mind watching this trial is when you have these kind of holes or problems or when someone comes in and says that they can help and mm -hmm. then they can mm -hmm. fix things that are really unpleasant for you or troubling to you and it feels like they're helping you be very wary of what they're asking how that relationship could change mm -hmm. what they're doing and why and be and be careful becoming dependent on them and make sure that relationship is healthy that's how that those, those broken pieces of yourself that's what they own in on it and uh say that they can fix it's always something that's unpleasant or broken or or, or troubling to you that they say they have the answer to that's fascinating i yeah i think that's a very important way to and maybe if you really do feel whatever kind of way to seek like actual professional help. Well, but be yeah. very wary of anyone trying to control your diet, your oh, yeah. sleep. <laughs> sexual uh, behavior. Your sexual <laughs> behavior. Yeah. Anybody with, it, 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 with any kind of revolutionary concept of, of clarity, of, of clarity <laughs> or thought. Do you have anything to add about this trial or uh, Larry? No, I'll, I'll, I'll be back uh, in court for closing arguments on Monday. Exciting. Uh, are you going to do a stream about it? Or are you going to? You know, there's been so little interest in this that I've, I've been, I haven't done one every day, but I've right. tried to save it up till uh, for, but I, 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 hope I don't know why this is such a fascinating case to me. There's so much to it. I think that's so interesting and sort of, you know, indicative of our society at large of like not being able to protect the most vulnerable in it. I don't know. I think this is a fascinating case. Everybody who's watching is saying this is the most fascinating trial, bar none, uh, greatest lawyering on both sides. I, I, I can't, it's such, such a better trial than the Maxwell trial. We had Audrey Strauss, uh, uh, dropped out as the prosecutor in that. 
and we had a really disorganized team for the, I don't know if disorganized is the right word, overwhelmed, overworked, uh, hmm. kind of just down, uh, feeling really just, they've just looked down on themselves and over it. It was just not a great trial as a trial put together. It felt, they felt very uh, intimidated by the $7 million defense team that Maxwell put together. Hmm. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing your time and taking time out of your day to talk with me and my audience. You're welcome and my pleasure.